0: Listen, if you're going to do that, go ahead and do it. We're so blessed with a wonderful music ministry and uh, people who are so faithful to it. I thank the Lord for them every week. I thank the Lord for them. Well, for the past several weeks, we have been. Uh, Steve? Steve? Sir. Come here. There's some trash over here. Would you get that, please? I can go ahead and do this. You know, you know those things bother me. <laughs> For several weeks, we have been doing a series through the Old Testament looking at some of the stories there and the characters there because it is my belief that through the years, some of us have... Uh, have not become familiar with them, and so I am trying to go back through those and just remind you as to who these characters are and what they have to say to us. And today we have come to the story of Ruth. Now, Ruth, the story of Ruth took place during the day of the judges. It is generally believed that Gideon was the judge at that time, and Samuel was the author of the book. It is a lovely story, wonderful story, but what does it have to say to us today? Well, Matthew Henry said the design of this book is to lead to providence and acknowledging God in all our ways and in all events that concern us. So he is saying what is the purpose then of the book of Ruth? It is a reminder to us that God is involved in our lives. God is not withdrawn, He is not disinterested, but He is involved in our lives today. Matthew Henry went on to say that the book ultimately states that that uh, we are to have fellowship of Christ Jesus our Lord, that it leads us then to fellowship with Jesus Christ. And so the book of Ruth is a reminder to us of God's involvement in our daily lives, and it leads us to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the passage of Scripture that we are going to look at today is is uh, Ruth chapter 1, and it is the time when Naomi and Ruth are returning from Moab to Bethlehem or back to Israel. So, Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse number 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited His people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Now, our story begins with a family whose luck has run out. Things are going from bad to worse. And if you look in verse number 1 of chapter 1, it says, Now, it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. Now, why was it this family left Bethlehem? It was because of a famine. Now, the land of milk and honey had become a land of famine. Bethlehem, which means house of bread, had none. The famine... Probably came about because of God's judgment. Now, the reason I say that is that God had warned His people, if they were disobedient, then He was going to send a famine. And the Scripture says in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 20, Your land shall not yield its produce, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. So that was the warning that had come from God. He had told them that if they became disobedient to Him, that there was going to be famine. And that quite possibly is the reason for the famine that took place there. So they went to Moab. Now, Moab is immediately to the east of the Dead Sea. It is about a hundred miles from Bethlehem to Moab. And at that time, it would be about a, a week's journey. It was the Moabites... Who had led Israel into idolatry. The scripture says in Numbers 25, 1, while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. So the Bible says then that it was these people, the residents of the land to which they went, who had led them into idolatry. When they led them into idolatry, then God sent a plague to judge them. And the scripture says in Numbers 25 9, and those who died by the plague were 24,000. So as I look at this family, they left the place of famine to go to the place of God's judgment. The Moabites who had led them into idolatry were supposed to be rejected by the Israelites. And the Scripture says in Deuteronomy, No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. All right, so as we look at this family then, there is a famine in Bethlehem. They leave to go to Moab, the place that had led them into idolatry, and as a consequence, again, there was the judgment of God. Now, we're introduced to the family in verse number 2. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife, Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Malan and Kilian. The name Elimelech means, My God is a king. Naomi means pleasant. Malan means sickness, and Kilian means consumption. So here is this family leaving Bethlehem to go to Moab. Well, what happened? Look at verse number 4. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. When they got to Moab, after they had been there for a while, the sons married Moabite women. I read an article one time that said, uh, The primary influence in who we marry is geography. So they were in Moab, and they married Moabite women. Now, what that should say to us is if you want your children to marry South Carolinians, then you need to stay in South Carolina. Don't let them go off somewhere, because if they do, they'll possibly meet someone and come home with somebody from Wisconsin. So you you have to be careful that your children stay where they are. Now, apparently these boys ignored the religion of their wives, because... Their wives were not followers of Jehovah. Possibly they thought they might convert to their religion, or it could be that they felt it was unimportant. The Chaldee says they transgressed the decree of the word of the Lord in taking strange wives. Alright? So we see this family now. They leave Bethlehem because of the famine. They go to Moab, and there is uh, the place of God's judgment. Their sons marry Moabite women, and then the husband died in verse number 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now, What happened to Naomi at this time is that her husband died and she began to rely on her sons. I have some understanding of that, and I think some of you do as well, because my dad died at an early age. And because I was the eldest child, I felt a tremendous responsibility for the family. Because uh, it seemed that my dad was gone, and now then I was somehow responsible, and and uh, so that's what happened here. We see Naomi, her husband has died, she begins to rely on her sons, and then her sons die. Verse number five. Then both Malan and Kilian also died. Things are going from bad to worse here. They leave Bethlehem because there is a famine. They go to to Moab, which is the place of God's judgment. The boys marry Moabite women. The father dies, and then the sons die. Now, Naomi has a bad situation. What was she going to do? Her husband was dead. Her sons had died. She was in a strange land. What was she going to do? You see, ladies and gentlemen, that is the quandary that the left spouse feels when one dies. My life has changed. My circumstances have changed. What am I going to do now that my husband has died or now that my wife has died? Well, she's going through this. Naomi is going through with this. She's dealing with this now. What, what does the future hold for me? She made a suggestion to her daughter's-in-law in verse number 8. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So she is saying to her two daughters-in-law, Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to Judah. You need to go back to your home, and may the Lord deal kindly with you. You have been kind to me. You were kind to my sons, and now you need to go back. So she made the suggestion, the daughters-in-law now make a decision. One decides to do what she said in verse number 15. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her God's return after your sister-in-law. So Orpah then decided that she would do what Naomi had suggested, that she would stay in Moab with her family. Ruth, however, did not. Verse number 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Decision about the future. She had to make a decision about the future. Now, now folks, this is sort of the point where I want to focus in. Because it is important, regardless as to our circumstances, that we embrace the future. Even when our circumstances are not what we expected them to be, we always, nevertheless, have to embrace the future. How can we do that? There are some of you just trying to get through today because of your circumstances. You're just trying to make it today. How can you embrace the future? Well, I think we see here. First of all, we have to resist self-pity. We cannot embrace the future if we're wallowing in self-pity. Unfortunately, Naomi, who was known as Pleasant, fell victim to that temptation. She began to feel sorry for herself because of her age in verse number 11. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. She says, I'm, I'm old. Life has passed me by. I'm never going to marry again. I'm, I'm, uh, life is over for me. And so she began to feel sorry for herself because of her age. She might have felt a little like Burton Hillis, who said, The women I see on the street now consider it perfectly safe to return my smiles. Well, she might have felt that way. I am too old. Nobody's interested in me. No one is looking at me. Life is behind me. And so she begins to lament her age. And then life had been unfair to her in verse number 13b. She said, the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. In other words, she said, life has not been fair. This is not fair. I mean, we were in a famine. We go to Moab. My husband dies. My sons die. Life has not been fair to me. Life has been hard. And then she became bitter in verse number 20. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, the word Naomi means pleasant. The word Mara means bitter. So she said, Don't call me pleasant anymore, call me bitter. So she has become bitter. She was disappointed with life. In verse number 21, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So as she looks at her life at this time, she's saying, I I, I left, I went out full, I come back empty. I I, I went out with a husband and two sons, and now I have nothing. Life has been unfair to me. She falls victim to self-pity. She begins to feel sorry for herself. Now, on the other hand, there's Ruth. You remember that Ruth had also lost a husband, but she has a different attitude. Naomi looks at all of the tragedy in her life and becomes bitter and pessimistic. Ruth also has tragedy, uh, tragedy in her life, but when she looks, she is optimistic. In chapter 2, verse number 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whoever sight uh, I may find favor. So Ruth then, rather than sit there feeling sorry for herself, rather than having a pity party, she said, I am going to the field and glean for food. We need some food, and so she said, I am going to get us some food. Chapter number 3, she meets a rich hus- a potential husband, Boaz. Isn't that just like a woman? I'm just teasing about that, but she gets out there. And so she, she's out there gleaning, and, and apparently she's not just looking at the grain. So she's out there in the field. She sees this man who, who is rich and uh, possibly a husband. In chapter number 4, they get married. And they have a child. When your situation is bad, I say this, when the situation is bad, it's all about your attitude. You can be like Naomi and see nothing but misery and become pessimistic about the future. Or you can be like Ruth who also had tragedy in her life, but she was optimistic as she looked at the future. Resist self pity. Secondly, take care of yourself. Now, Ruth was a widow, but she didn't let herself go. Look at chapter 2, verse number 5. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reaper, whose young woman is this? Now, the modern translation, Boaz is out there and he sees Ruth out in the field. And he says, wow, who is that? I mean, she's, she's still looking good, even though she's gone through difficulties in her life, she continued to look good. I commend some of you ladies. I mean this seriously and sincerely. Linda and I talked about it. Some of you have just been such a blessing to me because you have gone through tragedy. Some of you have lost your husbands, but by George, you keep on looking good. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. The name Ruth could come from the, or comes from the, the root word, which means friendship. And possibly, this is a reference to her amiable and affectionate disposition. In other words, her internal beauty. And that's where real beauty is. It's always internal. Dr. Robert Burns said at 20, a woman has the face God gave her. At 30, she has the face made possible by cosmetics. At 40, her face displays the skill of her hairdresser and masseuse. At 50, her face reflects the way her husband treats her. At 60, she has the face she gave herself. What is on the inside is always reflected on the outside. Isn't it? What is inside is always reflected on the outside. So, avoid self-pity, take care of yourself. And number three... Get involved. Get involved in life. Now, Ruth looked forward, not backward. That's one of the things that I admire about her. She has some difficulties, but she's looking forward. She embraced a new life. When she said to Naomi, I'm going with you, she was willing to embrace a new life. She embraced responsibility. She would not withdraw to feel sorry for herself, but she gleaned in the fields. She embraced the future. She, she had hope concerning the future. She's a good example for you. There are some of you who have gone through an unwanted and unfortunate divorce, but that is not the end of your life, nor should it define you. There are some of you who are dealing with physical disease or physical limitations, and whatever that is, that should not define you. Randy Pausch was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He gave the last lecture, wrote the book, and so forth, and has been an encouragement to millions as a result of that. The death of our loved ones is difficult as that is, and and, and I, I know what it is to lose parents. I know what it is to lose siblings. don't know what it is to lose a wife and so forth, but I know that when we lose our loved ones to death, that it is tragic and we have to struggle with it. But we cannot withdraw from life. When that happens, I've told Linda, I said, if I die first, I want you to remarry if you want to. I said, I only have one request, and that's that the uh, children sign off on him. Because I don't want somebody taking advantage of him. I mean, I want a sled check. I want all those things. I want to, you know, check his credit. And- Because I don't want somebody taking advantage of her. I said, so I want, you know, you might get emotionally involved, but I want the kids to check him out, make sure that he's okay. And if he is, well, then that's fine. I have no problem with that. Well, Linda told me, she said, well, if I die first, I don't want you to remarry. I want you to grieve. So. (laughs) I said, how long? She said, (laughs) till I see you again. (laughs) So we have difficult positions or situations that we have to deal with. And whenever we do, resist self-pity. Take care of yourself. Don't let yourself go. Get involved in life. To embrace the future requires certain risk. We know that. To embrace the future requires certain risk. And to risk requires faith. And Naomi was a person of faith. When she left Bethlehem to go to Moab, she was responding in faith. She was a woman of faith. Ruth was a woman of faith. In verse number 16 in our text, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you, for where you go I will go, where you lodge. I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. I know that that verse is oftentimes used in weddings, but it was not a bride speaking to a husband. It was a daughter-in-law speaking to a mother-in-law. But I am so impressed by what she said, the faith that she had. She said, No, your people are my people. And your God is my God. See, She, She responded in faith to this difficult situation. She responded in faith. There was a study done with people 90 years old and above, and asked the question, what would you change if you could do it again? And overwhelmingly, they responded, I would risk more. I would risk more. Frank Scully said, why not go out on a limb? Isn't that where the fruit is? Eva Figgs wrote, you cannot grow in whatever dimension without taking risk." And if you have stopped growing, you might as well be dead. You see, folks, if we are going to go into the future and life is going to be all that you want it to be, risk is required, and in order to risk, you have to have faith. Risk is rewarded. I know that you watched the ball game last night, and I I watched the first half, and then I had to quit and get up early this morning and... Read the paper to find out what happened. But man, I was excited when they were down there in that fake punt. Uh, That's a risk that brought about a reward. But we don't have the rewards unless we're willing to take a risk. And Ruth was willing to take a risk, and she was rewarded. Did you know that Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David? The greatest king in all of Israel's history. Risk brings reward. No one wants their tombstone to read. He played it safe. Take a risk and possibly have a better life. Now, let me conclude. What lessons can we learn from the book of Ruth? Well, that we surrender our lives to the sovereignty of God. Look at chapter 2, verse number 3. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers... And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. She happened to come? Well, I don't know about you. I think there was divine leadership there. The sovereignty of God. She happened to come. You see, because out of them came King David. Out of them came the Lord Jesus. So I see the hand of God's sovereignty there. She didn't just happen to show up in the field. God was directing her. Folks, the point I would make to you is that you can trust God's leadership in your life and his sovereignty in your life. The Heidelberg Catechism says, I trust him so much that I do not doubt that he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good, whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is Almighty God. He desires to do this because He is a faithful Father. What do we learn from this? we trust the sovereignty of God, that God is involved in your life, that God is involved in the activities of your life and, and the events and the circumstances of your life. God is involved, so you can trust Him. Secondly, cultivate your character. No matter what you're going through, cultivate your character. And I look at Ruth and see that during this time of testing, that she became increasingly loyal and faithful and so forth, but her character was developing during this time and received the Redeemer. Ruth received her Redeemer, who was Boaz. Boaz, she married, redeemed her. God used Ruth and Boaz to bring us our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. Because it was through them that Jesus came to this world. I conclude today by saying that in your life things might be going from bad to worse. At least you might feel that way. Things are going from bad to worse. I want to encourage you with the thought that God is still God. No matter what is going on in our lives, God is still God. And God is still able to change your life and to bless your life if you are willing to walk in faith with Him. He's still God. He is still on the throne, and He's still God. You can trust Him. Our Father, we thank You that You are God who has all power, that You're all-knowing, and that You're present with us. Lord, I especially today lift up to you these who might feel that life is going from bad to worse for them. I pray, Father, that they'll look to you and claim the future. You'll bless them with a good life. Father, for those who have never committed their lives to Jesus, I pray that today they might. That they might understand somewhat how much you love them. That you died to save them today that they would trust you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, in just a moment we're going to stand and the choir's going to sing. And we extend an invitation to you. If you're here without Jesus, you never committed your life to Him. Would you today? Would you? We'll have people here, the staff members here who would love to talk with you and pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, you want to be a part of a church family, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you as a part. You come. Stand with me, please, as we stand in the choir sayings you come and I'll greet you as you do.